At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abebefe on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside to the Visa Studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line, hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. But Michael Lombardi will be here in Las Vegas, all for Super Bowl week. Buddy, you ready to get out here to the desert? Yeah, Radio Row, Femi. You'll be big on Radio Row, man. Though everybody wants to know you. how you watch four <laughs> games at one time. You'll be doing a clinic over there at Radio Row. Excited, yeah. Be excited. We can do the GM shuffle right from there. You know, it'll be fun. It'll be great. I mean, we're getting closer to the countdown, right? I mean, we've got we're going to get into the week, and we'll, the teams are pretty much prepared to play, and we both handicap in the games, and so we're getting closer and closer. I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, I heard before the show you were outlining your schedule. I don't think anybody's going to be as big as you are on, on Super Bowl Radio Row Week there. No, you're going well, to be all over the place, man. Well, it's good because it's a good time to, you know, it's you got the Hall of Fame. We're going to they'll, they'll announce who's in the Hall of Fame, which yeah. kind of falls in line with my book, you know. So it's kind of a combination to work on a few things and, you know, and and kind of try to get people interested in the book that want to know about the history. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, you know, why did you write the book? And I think the the best example of why I wrote the book was what happened in Detroit. All those people watching their team, they love their team, the history of their team. They don't really know it because we don't teach it to them. But the, those people were in that stadium with 30,000 of them, you know, in uncomfortable chairs because of the history and the heritage of their team. So I think that's one of the great things. And we have two teams that have great history to it. The Chiefs, in terms of Lamar Hunt, he was the man who brokered the deal between the AFL and the NFL, and they merged the league together. He was an innovative owner of all. He really wanted he really Really wanted the the Final Four to be a to be like the NBA Final Four, and it hasn't gotten passed yet. And then, of course, the 49ers with their great tradition from the DeBartolo family. So it's it's two really great franchises, which makes the game really great and the uniforms great. Oh, 100% there. And these are the great franchises that we saw meet down in Miami for Super Bowl 54. The Chiefs were victorious that day. We'll see if they can go ahead and get another Lombardi trophy to add to the collection. Two of them in this Mahomes-Reed era that started in 2018. But we have a great show for you guys coming up over these next couple of hours. 30 minutes from now, our buddy Tim Murray, host of VEASAN Primetime, he will be joining us as he gives out his college basketball card here. Michael, Tim, he joined us throughout the year giving out the college football card. Now we've turned our attention to college hoops massive college basketball day today with the headliner being duke in north carolina always fun when those two teams get together that rivalry on tobacco road and then in hour number two matt humans host of vsin tonight he will join us to give out his nfl plays as well as college basketball plays and that will be fantastic to get humans' thoughts on the super bowl here as we kind of try to get people prepared for betting the props and not getting overwhelmed with all the the options that you have yeah 
I think Bill AD's newsletter this morning, really, with Matt was saying, and we can go into this later in the show today, about, you know, your props have to be aligned. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. think one thing on a prop and then bet something opposite. You want to kind of keep it strategically aligned. And if you think the game is going to go in a certain direction, then the props need to match that direction or else you're just going to be all over the place. And I wanted to ask you, are you in this basketball contest that I see everybody's in? I know Tim's in it. I saw the great Will Hill in it. Nobody can span the globe on sports more than Will Hill can. Are, are you in this basketball uh, betting tournament that they have going? I am not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in the basketball contest. How did you uh, not get asked? Huh? You, you know, the, the, the college basketball has ha- had to take a, a back seat given uh, the, the wedding that I have coming up in a couple of weeks here. We can't be locked into everything, oh, Michael. I got we got to make, conce- oh, wow. we gotta, we gotta make wow. concessions. Okay. You know, so the, the four game, that I stuff, it. it went away. After after the regular season, the four game Femi went away. Uh, we got to make some concessions. So once football season ends we lock into something else that's not going to be college basketball but i would love love the tournament though i'm still going to bet the tournament and watch that and i'll have to ask all these people who are in the contest who i should be betting on since i'm not as well versed in it this season but uh we'll get get into all that stuff throughout the show but you mentioned the super bowl let's talk there because we haven't discussed this on the weekend since obviously last weekend was conference championship sunday Mm -hmm. and we have the 49ers as a two-point favorite over at DraftKings. the total is 47 and a half interesting movement early on in the week but we've kind of settled here at two it this went all the way down to pick i believe at one place uh this market but then went and saw that niners money start to come in tuesday wednesday earlier this week and that's kind of where we settled as of now uh is your your opinion do you think that this is the right move here the niners they deserve to be the short favorite how do you see these two teams kind of fitting together Well, this is a little bit about then that it's certainly not about now because the Niners have gotten to this game without, and I think Kyle Shanahan would admit this, without playing their best game. They've played their most resourceful game. They've played two of the most mentally tough games, but this has not been their best game. They've got to the Super Bowl without their defensive line being a factor in either game. Bosa has showed up, has two sacks. No one else has a sack on the team. And when you break down the numbers and you look at this team from the from the regular season to the postseason, it's a completely different team. They, they average 5.9 Nine yards per play offensively in the postseason during the season that was at 6.6 they average allowing 5.8 yards per play in the postseason when that was down at 5.8 and 5.0 so they have really kind of gotten worse I mean then the in the in the playoffs they're 52 percent defensively on third down they were bad on third down in the regular season they were at 40 40.9, ranking 25th in the league, and that's gotten worse. So you've got to really say to yourself, man, this they are fortunate. They are blessed to be here because they found ways to win the game. And I think that initial betting from the Chiefs, what opened at three, got all the way down to one and a half, was a reflection of that. And I think now that we take a little bit of time to step back and then we really study the Chiefs, okay? When you really break down the Chiefs and you use a lot of the tape and you go through it, you realize that the Chiefs have been very good initially, right? 46 of their 70 points started in the first half, right? They've been able to do that. They've only allowed 14.3 points defensively over the last four games, the three playoffs in the Bengal game. To me, this is when the new Chiefs were reborn. This is when they were born. And I think when you break them down, you're saying all they're doing is playing slightly better offensively, slightly. Like Mahomes was 7.0 yards per attempt passing in the regular season. He's exactly at that number in the postseason. 
right? What they've done is they've run the ball more. Pacheco averaged 14.3 attempts rushing the football in the regular season. That number's up to 21 in the postseason or since that's from the Cincinnati game on. And so I think what you're seeing is the Chiefs have decided to play mistake-free football, not lose the game. And now as you go through it, you're saying, well, maybe the Niners can kind of match this style. And it's not going to be the perception that it's Mahomes winning the game. It's been the collective element of the Chiefs team. So I think that's why the betting has kind of just stopped at minus two right now. And do you think, because I know something that we've talked about is that when you evaluate the teams, you want to put more weight on what we've seen over the last four weeks or so. You want to take those games and weight those more heavily. Like when you do that, like you said, Kansas City has been the much better team and the Niners have kind of just been grinding out some of these wins, mental toughness. Like that's how they've been able to get to this point here. Do you think this two-week layoff sort of helps reset the 49ers? Like, how do you think that kind of plays into this to where maybe they can kind of get their collective breath here and get back to the team that we saw maybe in November and early December? It's got to start up front, right? I mean, and and I'll I'll tell you, to me, this game's all about the script. Because if the Niners don't start the game fast, which they haven't done against Green Bay and they haven't done it against Detroit defensively, and Andy Reid's script has been very good. Like I mentioned, they've given up, they've scored 46 points in the first half. The mm-hmm. 49ers haven't scored a point in the first quarter in the two playoff games. So this has got to change dramatically. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're Steve Wilkes, you're saying to yourself, okay, this is how they want to play. This is who they are. And I believe this is how they're going to try to attack us early in the game. I don't think Baltimore was ready for it. Really, Baltimore wasn't prepared for it. Neither was Houston was. I mean, excuse me. In the first game, Miami wasn't either. Miami was playing with a bunch of guys that they really didn't have. Buffalo did. You know, Buffalo, that was a game they were behind at halftime, the Chiefs. And they only had the ball for 22 minutes in that game. Buffalo controlled the pace of the game with their run game, but they couldn't make the plays down the stretch. So, yeah, I I think this is all about all on deck. I think they know where the weaknesses in their defense are, and they've got to start fast. They really do. This is the Chiefs want to control the ball. They've had 19 drives of seven plays or more in those four games. This is what, who they are. They're a methodical, we're going to grind it out type of team. And credit Andy Reid for changing the team because they couldn't go the other way. They were turning the ball over too much. Mahomes hasn't thrown an interception since Christmas Day. Yeah, and that was that loss to the Las Vegas Raiders here. And now it's, you mentioned ball control, running the football. Pacheco has been, I mean, Pacheco was outstanding against the Buffalo Bills. Baltimore was able to bottle him up a little bit more. But now he goes up against this 49ers run defense that has struggled mightily. They struggled against Detroit. They struggled against Green Bay. If they can't stop the run, look for this to maybe be a big Isaiah Pacheco game next Sunday here. Um, And and I guess for right now, because we're up against the break here, and we'll talk more about this game and more about the teams as it pertains to Brock Purdy on the other side. But where are the teams at right now? Is the game plan already sort of installed? Like, can you take us through the timeline of getting ready during these two weeks in the lead up to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, before they get on that plane tomorrow, the game plan's installed. It's how they're going to play is there. They're going to practice it. They're going to fine-tune it in in when they get to Las Vegas this week. But in terms of how they're going to play the game, the plays they're going to run, the execution of those plays, the order of those plays is is pretty much put into place. And then there's a little bit of tinkering. But the long, the hard work has been done. The preparation's done. Now it just comes to refinement. Yeah. 
and both teams will be flying out tomorrow uh, as everybody descends upon Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58 here and we cannot wait for it. Las Vegas is going to be electric. Can't wait to have you out here, Michael. This is going to be a whole lot of fun doing the GM Shuffle in person. You'll be doing the Lombardi line with Stormy all week here on Radio Row, so make sure folks look out for that. But on the other side, we'll continue our Super Bowl 58 discussion with Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy as well as getting to the coaching news from around the league here on the Lombardi line. Sports Betting Network. Before you bet on the big game, check out VSIN's big game prop special today. They will have favorite prop bets, picks, and best bets from VSIN hosts and guests. Also, find out which props cash the most tickets. Check out the VSIN big game prop special today at 7 p.m. Eastern and check out all of our Super Bowl 58 coverage at slash Super Bowl. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi. Uh, I heard the term this morning, Michael, Super Bowl Swifty 8. Uh, your, your, your man Emerson, I was on with them on the sweat earlier this morning before oh, our man. show. And they're you were on they're with him? Yeah, your career's going down. Your career's going right down the toilet. <laughs> it's going right down. Anybody who gets on with him goes right down the toilet. That's what I used to tell him all the time. We used to do a show together when he was at Nesson. Nice. You know? And, and, and we, he would always overreact to everything. Everything. It was the best. He, he is really fun. I, we get to see him next week, but stay away from him, Femi. He well, can ruin your career. Trust me. So he said he's actually going to be staying in Boston. So they're not, but we'll have a lot of crosstalk, I'm sure. Oh, he's throughout. not coming out? Yeah, a couple of the oh, guys wow. from the sweat will be out here, uh, but they'll do like a little bit of a crosstalk deal. They'll be here at Circa doing the sweat tomorrow, or sorry, not tomorrow, but next weekend. And then Emerson will be out there in Boston kind of teeing him up. So uh, we're not going to be able to see him in 3D version, unfortunately, but it, w- it was nice to chat with him this morning over there on the sweat, which always airs before us here on the Lombardi line on the on the DraftKings network. Love it. Yep, absolutely. But let's talk about Brock Purdy here, Michael, because uh, Brock Purdy, yeah. the playoffs, he's hasn't had the best games to start out. But in the moments where he's had to play well, he's been able to go ahead and get that done. The fourth quarter, the last drive against the Green Bay Packers, that was nails. And then last week, the second half against Detroit was nails, able to use his leg, make those plays to go ahead and extend the drives. And earlier this week, 49ers owner Jed York was asked about Brock Purdy and had this nugget to share about what Kyle Shanahan told him when Brock Purdy was a rookie during training camp you know last year in in preseason i think week one of training camp which you have a, a quarterback they were paying i think 20 million dollars to you have a guy that you drafted with investing three first round picks into and he grabs me after practice he's like hey hey man we we, we got to talk and that's generally not a good thing when your coach <laughs> tells you to talk I'm like all right what's up and he's like ah I think our third string quarterbacks our best quarterback. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, well, he's like, obviously, like, we've invested in Trey. Like, Trey's doing a good job. Like, we're going to do everything that we can. We're not going to change that. And we're not going to change the chart, the depth chart. But, like, I, I, I think Brock will end up being our quarterback at some point. Wow. I mean, that's very, wow. a very prescient moment there what? for the Shanahan and the, and the Niners organization. 
Well, this is why they're good, right? Because, you know, one of the things that makes your team effective is to not have bias when the players come in. One of Belichick's greatest thing is when the team gets together for training camp or Walsh used to say this to the team before salary cap. Look, we're going to grade you. We're going to watch you on, on how you play, not where you came from. You know, we don't care if you're a seventh round pick. We don't care if you're a 12th round pick, a college free agent, or you're the first pick overall. How you play is going to determine if you play. And I, and I think that's really great. And he was objective. He didn't go into it saying he's Mr. Irrelevant. He just watched the game. Now, we know after he told that to, to, to Jed York that the Houston game three weeks later or maybe four weeks later from this point, Trey Lance was a disaster. And they brought Garoppolo back, remember? Mm -hmm. They had to bring Garoppolo back. They wanted him to be the guy. And Garoppolo was on the other field. Yeah. Remember, he was on the other field. And so they, they basically were trying to trade Garoppolo, and they brought him back. And then Garoppolo gets hurt, and Lance gets hurt. And then they started Lance, he gets hurt, Garoppolo comes in, and then we get Brock Purdy. So I, I just think, to me, this is why... You can't, if you're the head coach, you have to have the ability to be objective as you're evaluating your own team. I think, I think both these coaches have done a great job with that. Andy Reid shifting the identity of his team. Look, we know this about Andy Reid. He hates calling runs. He hates it. Remember Eric Bieniemy saying Andy would be so proud of me if he knew I called 35 passes in a row? <laughs> like, we know that. So for him to go from Pacheco carrying the ball 14 times in the in the regular season to 21 times per game in the postseason, that's saying a lot. So, but that's when you know you have a coach who cares more about winning than being proven right by the draft or by decisions in free agency. So do you think that's one of the biggest kind of hangups for NFL organizations that don't find success? Is it that they, they misevaluate their roster or are they just not honest yeah. about the roster? They misevaluate and they're not honest. They okay, begin both. with the end in mind. They want it to happen. They want something to be worked out. Atlanta, we want Ritter to be a great player. If you watch, I said this this spring, if you watch the four games that Atlanta played Ritter in last season, there's nothing on that tape that could have told you he was going to be a starting quarterback. Could he have gotten better? Yeah, but he was too inconsistent with his accuracy. He was scared to throw the ball into coverage. He didn't trust his accuracy. And he didn't really want, he didn't have the ability to make plays. He turned it he didn't turn it over because he wasn't trying to make a play. So, but if you say, well, he's our guy, and no matter what happens, then he's our guy. I, I think that's where we all, and we all have gotten it out there. It's just something that's not, we've all made this mistake. We want it so bad. We want it so bad that we believe it could happen, and we're not, and we're not. And that's why people from the outside, look, the Giants and Daniel Jones, who wants Daniel Jones to be a, a star more than the Giants do? Right. I mean, who wants that? Yeah, they, you know, family. they believe it. <laughs> they, they, they believe it. No one else does, but they believe it. I think to me, that's where you get in trouble. And it's hard. It's really hard. And for us as fans and people that evaluate it, sometimes from the outside, we're going to see this with Justin Fields. Right. We're going to see it with Fields. We watch C.J. Stroud, who had no experience in playing, you know, under center had no experience in a rhythm passing game. It was all RPO stuff at Ohio State. Walk into Houston and put him in the playoffs. And yet people in Chicago believe we're going to turn this around after three years of Justin Fields not being able to throw the football accurately, on time, and in rhythm. 
and yet they are still convincing themselves that it's going to happen. Well, why did Stroud happen for him, and it hasn't happened so far for Fields? Why did it happen for you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and it didn't happen for Mitchell Trubisky, who was the first pick overall in the draft? This is where you get into trouble, and people think because you attack a player, you just don't like the team. No, you're just trying to be honest and objective. Look, I wasn't the biggest Josh Allen fan coming out because I respected his play, his, his size, his arm strength, all that. I just didn't think he could get accurate enough with the football. Now, he's led the league in interceptions and fumbles since 2018, and he's a great talent. But there are times when that accuracy does affect him. I'm not saying I'm right because I was wrong on that completely. He's a great player. I wish he was on my team. But there are issues with him. It's the same thing with Lamar. You know, Lamar had to sit in that room for 32 picks. Bill Polian said he should go play wide receiver. Bill yeah. Polian's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and so to me, it's like that was ridiculous. I thought Lamar was the best quarterback in the draft. I was on record as saying, look, if I were the Browns, I would have picked two offensive and defense. I would have picked an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, and traded back in the first and picked Lamar. That's what I, that's what I would have done. And Lamar sat there for 32 picks. Yeah. And, and then the Baker Mayfield ended up going number one overall there. And he's now the quarterback uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on his fourth franchise. I, it is really interesting. And we're going to get into all this more like once we get into the draft, but like the, the decisions that are made and the misevaluations, and then people kind of sort of dig their heels into it because we all want to be right and we want it so bad. But sometimes you just have to be honest, take a step back and just evaluate it for what it is and kind of go from there. Uh, speaking of some of these organizations who, are misevaluating it and are dishonest with themselves. Well, they've made their coaching hires, one of them being the Washington Commanders. They now have Dan Quinn, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, as their new head coach. I think that many people thought that this might have been Ben Johnson, but it ends up being Dan Quinn, which was a surprise to a lot of people outside of it. But from what people have been saying inside the building or inside the league, maybe this wasn't Ben Johnson's job to lose, and maybe they never really were able to kind of come to terms on something. Well, I think Ben Johnson wanted a six-year contract, and the Washington football team was only willing to give out a four-year deal. And I think there was some concerns about Ben Johnson. I don't think they. I think they could have talked themselves into it. I think there was some blocks in the con contract in terms of years. Uh, you know, so I think that became a sticking point. Look, here's what we do know: the, the Washington team wants positivity. They want somebody in their building who's going to bring energy. They want somebody in their building who's going to get the players to buy in, but not be too rough on them. That's what we're seeing, right? And that fits Dan Quinn, right? Seattle wanted to go a different direction. They want a little bit more of a harder edge so they went with mike mcdonald they went with quinn because quinn is kind of like a little bit go back to what they talked about with the enemy the enemy was too hard on the players remember all the players were complaining yeah the enemy would have been the head coach of this team in week eight week nine there was no reason to keep ron rivera around you could have given the enemy a tryout but the players didn't want that because he was too hard on them he was too demanding and so the Quinn hire really is a reflection of what they want as an organization. And for me, I think that's a hard thing to do. I think it's hard to win that way. Pete tried to do it in Seattle, and it hasn't worked in a few years. Too demanding. That's... It really makes you wonder because we see the guys from the Kansas City Chiefs, whether it was Mahomes or Tyreek Hill from the past, defend Eric Bieniemy. But I guess the commanders think it's, he's asking for a little bit too much. Now they have Dan Quinn. All right, Tim Murray will join us next year to break down the college hoops card here on the Lombardi Line.
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Put the VEASAN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VEASAN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VEASAN Pro annual subscription and get your first year for only $199. Just use promo code LOMBARDI. Get access to everything that we do on our brand new VEASAN.com website. Remember, all you have to do is use promo code LOMBARDI to get your first year of VEASAN Pro access for only $199. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. This is the Lombardi line rolling along on the DraftKings Network. Michael Lombardi on the great state of New Jersey. Femi Abebefe hanging out here in downtown Las Vegas. And joining us now, our first guest to help us get ready for some college hoops later on today. It's VEASAN's own Tim Murray, host of VEASAN Primetime, which you can check out 6 to 9 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Tim, thanks for waking up with us as always. Before we get into the college hoops, the Super Bowl market has sort of settled. Niners, two-point favorites, total 47.5. Do you anticipate? that you'll have a bet on the side or total on this game that kicks off in about eight days. Yeah, I think I will. Um, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, my uh, hammer slam of the of the year, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm just going to be patient here. Um, you know, I, I I lean a little bit towards the 49ers. I think I'm on a bit of an island there, but uh, I haven't bet it yet. Um, you know, I think all the points that people have made uh, regarding the Chiefs. Femi, you were on my show earlier this week on the Chiefs. I totally understand it, right? I mean, they've looked the part. Uh, Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. We all know the numbers by now. It bears repeating 10-1-1 ATS, 9-3 uh, and three straight up. Betting against one of the greatest of all time doesn't probably seem all that fun. Uh, but I'm just going to wait and see how low can we get this money line because uh, I fully anticipate, uh, especially next week, guys, when people start to flood into town. Uh, this is where the public has its say, the biggest game of the year. So, you know, how suppressed are we going to get that money line uh, for for this game? And then for the total similar situation, you know, I, I think. People are going to play the over. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs defense, uh, they have looked every bit the part. Uh, what they did against the Baltimore Ravens was phenomenal. Uh, and then let's remember that the Baltimore Ravens defense, especially in the second half, really had their way uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, are we going to get a 48 again, which is where this thing opened? I think we will. So I'm just going to sit back, wait. Uh, see if I could get a, a bit of a suppressed money line on the Niners and more so uh, probably look towards the under a little bit here, guys. And, you know, I know it's been brought up a lot. The second half totals for Chiefs games, 18 and two towards the under. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is more of an under game for me. So I'm going to see in, uh, if we see if we can get a 48 at some point uh, here in the process. All right. So you, you take a step back. I mean, when you look at this and you kind of figure out where you want to go waiting on the money line, do yep. you have an idea on the MVP or you have anywhere you want to go on that? Or you kind of just feel like it's going to be Mahomes if the Chiefs win and it'll be McCaffrey if the 49ers win? You know, it's a great. I talked about this last night, Michael. I'm glad you brought it up because I think for the Chiefs, if you're a Chiefs better or going to back the Chiefs, I think. It's very, very, very correlated uh, from, you know, uh, Chiefs to win to Patrick Mahomes. Now, your co-host, Femi Abebefe, came on VEASAN primetime, made a very impassioned push of why he should you should look at somebody else other than Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I will uh, I will leave that take to Femi. 
for me on uh, on the Niners side, what intrigues me is looking at this list. This is kind of how I expected it to be. I thought Travis Kelsey might be a little bit higher uh, regarding, you know, those Super Bowl MVP bets. And maybe we'll get there. But I think it's really interesting to look at Brock Purdy here. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, if the 49ers win, Christian McCaffrey is definitely the swing that a lot of people are going to take. Just look at the bet splits that we're showing right there. 20% of the bets. He's the most bet person in this MVP market, but very rarely are we going to get a discrepancy from a team that's minus 125 on the money line to they have their starting quarterback at plus 225. So to me, it's worth a, a little bit of a swing on Brock Purdy. When you look at the history of this game and, and the Super Bowl MVPs and how many quarterbacks have won it. Now, a couple of years ago, it was Cooper Cup who was able to get it with eight catches for 92 yards and, and two touchdowns. And a big reason why was Matthew Stafford threw two interceptions. So if Brock Purdy can avoid interceptions, which obviously uh, he was a bit fortunate, especially against the Green Bay Packers just a couple of weeks ago uh, with some turnover worthy throws. But if he could avoid the big interceptions, I do think Brock Purdy uh, is at a, a relative cheap price for a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl if you believe the Niners are going to win uh, the Super Bowl next week. No, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Purdy's being undervalued in the market right now. Plus 225 for the quarterback of the team that's favored. It seems like if you like them, like you mentioned, Tim, you should bet Brock Purdy. We're hanging out with Tim Murray here, host of VEASAN Primetime. Check it out Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 Eastern time. Tim, let's shift over to college basketball. You will be in the college basketball competition, the Invitational with our buddy Matt Humans. He'll join us in hour number two to give us the full details on all of that. But let's talk about this Duke, North Carolina game. To Battle Tobacco Road, always fun when these two teams match up. The Tar Heels four and a half point favorites right now in the market total 152 and a half anything for you side or total in this top 10 matchup yeah you guys know me well enough by now uh to know that i i, I love situational spots obviously this is this is the rivalry in college basketball and uh you know for me uh we saw a little bit of movement towards duke this thing opened five down to four and a half so not too crazy of a movement um but for me uh you know north carolina coming off the loss really uh, hampers the chance, in my opinion, to, to kind of get UNC uh, in this spot. So um, I, I kind of look at the under. I haven't bet either side of this one. Um, you know, last year, obviously two very different teams from last year. Uh, you know, North Carolina didn't even make the NCAA tournament last year. But I do think Duke and North Carolina, um, I, I, if I had to play something right now, uh, it would be under uh, in this game. We've seen the market move a little bit towards the over in this one. It opened 152, 152 and a half is where we stand now. Um, but, you know, this is, you know, the rivalry, obviously it's, it's even last year, you think about, you know, both of those games when UNC didn't even make the NCAA tournament and how competitive they were. And, you know, what's interesting too, guys, is if you look back two years ago, uh, the home court didn't mean anything in this rivalry. Duke went to Chapel Hill and smashed the Tar Heels. And then in the spot of all spots, Coach K's retirement game, uh, North Carolina went into Cameron and spoiled that evening. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where I wonder how much home court really matters uh, in this rivalry. So uh, under is, a, is, is the look for me in this one. Uh, but as of right now, probably sit back in the, and watch situation. All right, so you, you, we're almost midway through it. We're at the end of uh, we're at the beginning of February. We got another four weeks before March Madness comes in. Like, it, 
is there a sleeper team that you think, okay, they're, they're not playing their best, but eventually they can become, is it Kentucky if they improve their defense? Is it really Purdue? Where do you think this would be on a, on a, on a fairly good odds to get to the Final Four? Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, we're all looking for the FAU from last year and, uh, you know, right. Purdue, Houston, UConn, those are all going to be your, your short odds right now. Um, Purdue's got a big chance, uh, you know, big game, excuse me, on, uh, on Sunday in our top 10 matchup there. I'll give you a couple, like if you're just looking for who can make a run to the final four type of longer shots, Michael, I don't know if this team can win the national championship, um, but a team that took a little bit of a hit earlier this week uh, was New Mexico. Uh, they lost their game to Boise State. I really like the Lobos. Richard Patino has got some really uh, intriguing guards. So if you're looking for a super long shot to make a run, you know, this year's Florida Atlantic, which I'm sure will be brought up uh, countless times uh, to win the national championship. Um, you know, I think. You know, a team that I would say stay away from would be Kansas. I think they've got a lot of flaws. I just don't think the depth is totally there. Uh, so that would be a team that I would be a, a little worried to to back uh, kind of in the in the top 10 area. I have some questions about Marquette as well, uh, making a deep run. So, you know, I've been trying to eliminate teams more so than bet on teams, uh, but a team that I do really, really like and, uh, you know, coming off a loss. So maybe you get a little bit of, of juice on them as New Mexico with their guard play to potentially make a run uh, to the final four. I don't know if they could win it all, but I think they could definitely make a deep run uh, this year in the NCAA tournament. Kansas hosts Houston later on this afternoon over there at Fog yep. Allen right now. The Jayhawks, a one-point underdog at home. You don't see that too often. Total 134. Tim, we got about 45 seconds left. What's your favorite bet today? Yeah, so uh, I, we talked about it. I went on the uh, on the show with Matt Humans yesterday, and uh, a couple spots that, that are intriguing to me uh, that I'll run through just real quickly. Um, you know, I do like uh, Georgia uh, taking on South Carolina. South Carolina has really been impressive, 18 and three on the year. Georgia coming off of a, a brutal loss to Alabama. South Carolina coming off the upset of TC uh, of uh, of Tennessee. So Georgia, uh, I do like Texas A&M against Florida in a really good spot to fade Florida off back to back uh, overtime games. And then last one, hold your nose. Let's go to Washington, D.C. We're going to mm. take the fighting Ed Cooley's. Give me the 12 and a half with Georgetown against Marquette. <laughs> All right. The fighting Ed Cooley's who put up a solid showing last Saturday when they went over got to Providence. The they, they got the cover. <laughs> he is Tim Murray, host of VEASAN Primetime. Tim, thanks as always. And good luck with the bets, man. All right. See you guys. Thank All right. you, Tim. Super Bowl superlatives next here on the Lombardi Line. Super offer for Super Bowl 58. Well, DraftKings Sportsbooks has you covered. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VSIN. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code VSIN. The crown is yours.
Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line on the DraftKings Network. Family of Bebefe, Michael Lombardi. Thank you to Tim Murray who joined us in the last segment, talking a little college hoops as well as the Super Bowl. So uh, we're getting into that college hoops. You know, it's coming around the corner, but obviously Super Bowl 58 still top of mind as we're eight days away from kickoff here in Las Vegas. And Michael, we played this game last week, conference championship superlatives, and we correctly predicted coach most likely to commit malpractice. We said Dan Campbell, <laughs> and, and we got what we got. That was Last Sunday. It wasn't, it wasn't too wasn't difficult hard. when you had the four coaches, but maybe this time it'll be difficult. We only have two teams to go from, though, between the Niners and the Chiefs, and we will start with the best unit on the field. Okay. The best unit on the field, uh, I would say the best unit on the field has been the Chiefs defense. They've only given up 14.3. They've only allowed 10 points in three games in the second half. They've been really good. Uh, at being able to keep people out of the end zone. Obviously, Buffalo moved the ball up and down the field, but they didn't get it in the end zone, didn't make plays when they needed to. So I would say of the three games or two games, the best unit so far that's playing the best is the Chiefs defense because they are 3-0 and in the playoffs because of their defense. Yeah, their defense has been outstanding so far during these playoffs. Last week, what they were able to do, just frustrating Lamar Jackson, the likely MVP, it was pretty remarkable. Steve Spagnuolo, I feel like he doesn't get enough pub. I know he's been a head coach in the past, and I don't think he's ever going to be a head coach again, but what he's done as a defensive coordinator in a number of spots has been phenomenal. Yeah, he's in a right. He he does a tremendous job, and you know, and he and he forces the other team to play left-handed, and he and he takes the risk that he knows that you know if I can create a negative play, if I can get him behind the down and distance, I'm going to have a chance to win this game. And I think ultimately, when you look at it, other than the Buffalo game, I mean, really, Buffalo's got to be kicking themselves in the tail. I mean, Buffalo, you know, they Buffalo scored 24 points on them and they had opportunities for more and they just didn't get it, right? Buffalo was 3 for 4 in the red zone, you know, and and they and in the fourth quarter, they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't get it done. They lost the ball on downs. They 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 had a punt and then they missed a field goal at the end of the game. So, you know, Buffalo moved the ball. Buffalo's approach is what I think Kansas, uh, excuse me, San Francisco's got to do because I think when you look at it, when you look at what, what Buffalo did against them, they start the game off 14-play drive field goal. Then they go 11-play drive touchdown. Then they had a punt. And then they went back with a 12-play drive touchdown. Then they come out with a 15-play touchdown. I mean, they were very methodical on those drives. I mean, they had three drives, Femi, in that game where they got 18 first downs. Three. Wow. Three drives, 18 first downs. And yet they and, – and Kansas City never had the football – but yet they scored 27 points and turned the ball over in the fourth quarter. Think about that. Yeah. They had the, 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 the touchback whether with, with our guy, Michael Hardman, fumbling the football through the end zone. What will be the worst unit on the field next Sunday? That, that you know, in, in reality, based on play, based on the playoffs, it's the 49er defense. It's the 49er secondary. It's the worst unit. I mean, they can't stop anybody. They have not been able to. I mean, look, they have given up more yards passing than they had in, in, in any situation. I mean, when you break them down, it's really been kind of deceiving. You don't think that, you know, we think the strength of their team has been their defense, but so far in the playoffs, it hasn't been. I mean, look, you know, they allow 10 touchdowns rushing all year in 17 games. In two games, they've allowed five. 
You know, they allowed 9.6 per reception in the regular season, 9.6. In the playoffs, they've allowed 12.1. That's almost a three-yard difference. It's crazy. It's a three-yard. And so it's really kind of remarkable that they're allowing this kind of yards. And again, they were 40% on third down in the regular season, which was 25th in the league. This is up to 52%. So, like... They allowed, during the regular season, they allowed 4.1 yards per carry. In the postseason, they're up to 5.6. So That's 1.6 yards more per carry than the regular season. I don't know how you can say they're, they're not struggling. Do you think that a lot of what happened in the regular season, was that just because they had such big leads on teams that teams couldn't run the football to sort of expose this run defense? But now in the playoffs, Green Bay started at least fast. Detroit started fast. And they were able to kind of expose what this Niners run defense has been. Well, well, they saw the least amount of rushing attempts by any team in the National Football League. They were 32nd in facing runs. That tells you the story. You get behind, you can't run it. I mean, go back and watch the Tampa game. Tampa's in the game. They're moving the football. They just couldn't stop them, you know? And this is why I think, to me, when you look at this game, they're going to have a hard time stopping. You know, they're not. They're going to get stops on San Francisco. San Francisco's not operating at the highest level offensively as they did earlier in the season because, look, what happened in that Detroit game, Detroit's power up front, Detroit's physicality up front was a problem for them. You know, that was a real issue, especially inside. And Chris Jones plays inside. And we know this probably will be Chris Jones' last game. They're not going to franchise him. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Can they get a contract done with him? We'll see. But the inside of this defense is what causes problems for San Francisco because go back to the Super Bowl with, with Garoppolo. Jones pushes the guard back. He throws on third and five, has the guy wide open, can't make the throw. That was the game, really. That was the yeah. game. They had a 10-point lead. I mean, Mahomes scrambles around and hits Tyreek Hill on an over route. I don't know how the hell he found him or saw him, but Hill came out of nowhere to catch it, and then they get the pass interference in the end zone. Yeah, and it's that was a, a one that got away for the 49ers. We'll see if they can close the door next Sunday. Star player most likely to have a bad game. Who's that player? Oh, star player to have that's, a bad game. It's kind game. of a tough one. Uh, yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, most of the I would say McCaffrey, if anything, because Kansas City will put every effort that they have to stop him. I mean, they have to stop McCaffrey. I was a little bit surprised that San Francisco, because of the way Aaron Glenn lined up. Okay, Aaron Glenn lined up in base personnel against their regular personnel, and the risk you run by doing that is you saying to them, "Is can we can we get spread out and play our coverages?" Right. Because McCaffrey can go line up and be one of the best slot receivers in football. He could be Wes Welker, Danny Amendola. He could be one of those kind of receivers inside. Now, that means you have to put use check in the backfield, you know, and you're going to have Kittle if you depending on how you want to protect. But I was surprised they didn't do that in the Lions game and really create the matchup that he needed. He catches a flat route, kind of a safety valve, and he gets like 30 yards and just barely got the over total. I think if he had if he doesn't play well and they don't get him the ball in the passing game, I think then it's really going to be hard for the Niners. Maybe I don't know. Have we heard who's doing the field this year? I was like, well, maybe all the pass rushers might have the bad game if we had the sod father working on the field like he did last well, you year. Know the Super come, well, you know, they're going to come. 
you got to have to check that. You know, it's going to be perfect new grass. And so you got to believe that. And they got to, you know, you got to have to go in that stadium and check it because last year, I'm telling you, that field was a difference in the game. I, I, I don't care. The Eagles never made it an excuse. They didn't complain about it. But when you watch the game tape and you study the game tape over and over, that field was really a factor. Look, San Francisco field's a factor too. Guys were slipping on that field too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to wear those extra long spikes to be able to get the traction there. Who's the role player that's most likely to have a big impact? The role player with the big impact. Uh, you know, I would say I, I wouldn't call Pacheco a role player, but I think he does play kind of the secondary role, even though he's got 21 carries. You know, or Rishi Rice, who's mm-hmm. kind of a not a role player, but he is. They don't really get him the ball. I think those two guys on Kansas City, they have to play well for them to win. Yeah, Rishi Rice would be my guy there. Coach most likely to commit malpractice. This is a little bit difficult this week. We don't have our guy Campbell with us. A lot difficult, you know, because I think both coaches uh, are are usually really good. I I, I mean, Andy Reid's never great in the four-minute operation Mm -hmm. at the end of the game. He's always gets bowed out. I mean, he throws the ball to Scanling. You know, if that's incomplete, Baltimore's (laughs) got a chance to get in there, but that's a 38, the longest pass play they've had in the playoffs was that play there. And Mahomes would drop the dime in there. So when you have Mahomes, are you really taking a chance? Because he's so accurate with the football of the last month that you're really not. I mean, this is a hard one. I don't see I, – I would say more if Steve Wilkes doesn't adjust or mm. if their defensive front doesn't really dominate the game from the start. I think the 49er defensive staff has the most has the most opportunity to be, commit malpractice because if they don't figure it out quickly from the start of the game, they're going to get in trouble. What's the offense that's most likely to score 40-plus points? So, well, I mean, neither, but if you had to pick one, it's going to be San Francisco because yeah. the, the one thing the Chiefs don't want to do is they're, they're not going to play outside their style. Their style is why they're here. And I'd imagine that the defense most likely to hold an opponent under 20 would be Kansas City. Average 14.3 points per game. They have to be. You, can, you, you know, the numbers tell you that. There you go. We'll get into the coaching battle on the other side to begin hour number two here of the Lombardi Line. 